With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, you were just down by me then. I'm down in Greenville, South Carolina now. Oh, yeah. Not, not far at all. A few hours. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Clemson and grew up in South Carolina, so I feel that. I feel that. I'm about to ship my, uh, ship my five-year-old down to her grandparents in South Carolina <laughs> as soon as I can. <laughs> I barely can take care of myself. You've got a dog now, Casey. You have <laughs> responsibilities, true, yeah. sir. Yeah. Uh, Casey, if you have a dog, you're essentially a dad. Yeah. It's close. He's he's definitely needy. The only thing is, you can't just put your kid in a cage. Hey y'all, welcome to the second offering of the Off the Tracks podcast, uh, featuring the musings of Casey Bartley and me, your team leader, Drew Schneider, for tonight at least. I'm excited for this one because Casey thumbed through his robust Rolodex and came through with an incredible guest. We've got Joey Burton, shop doctor of the stars, on with us today. Casey, I hope all is well in God's country tonight. If you don't know, Casey's coming from uh, beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. It's pretty nice, raining, but it's always warm. Always beautiful in South Carolina, my friend. Always beautiful. Casey, could you uh, tell us a little bit about our special guest uh, for tonight? Sure. Joey Burton is executive director of Champions Academy, a nonprofit organization in Indianapolis. Uh, but for most of you, you're going to know him as uh, the shot doctor or a skills coach or developmental coach for uh, such guys as like Glenn Robinson III, Yogi Ferrell, uh, Evan Turner, I believe, as well, Trey Lyles. Mm-hmm. And for us specifically, he worked with Rafael Davis, Dakota Mathias, and Carson Edwards. So pretty much every star, you know, shooting guard that's gone through Purdue in the last six to eight years. Uh, Joey, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing great. It's a pleasure to be on, and I, uh, I'm excited to do this podcast uh, with you guys. We are excited to have you. Tangentially, all the uh, big news going around is players leaving Purdue, but we wanted to have you on because the thing Matt Harms and Nojel Eastern kind of shared in common was an early promising start to their career and then kind of a stall out on uh, their development going into their junior year. And there's really no one better at advancing a player to really take that really hard leap to go from really good players to great game changing, particularly on the offensive end players. Uh, so just really wanted to kick the tires around what, what players do off the court and away from cameras that we don't see. Carson Edwards was the last bowler make you have, but uh, who are some of the guys you're working yeah. with right now? I'm working with uh, Trey Lyles, uh, who plays for the Spurs. He's a, a local Indianapolis star, uh, Mr. Basketball of Indiana, and he's having a great year. He came to me, uh, by reference of none other than P.J. Thompson. <laughs> and so uh, they're good friends. And uh, Trey Lyles is having a career year from three. 
uh, last year he shot uh, 25%, and uh, this year he's up to 38.1. And he's second in the NBA in increased uh, three-point field goal percentage. Um, I'm working with Glenn Robinson the third. He was having a career year with the Warriors, uh, got traded to Philadelphia, and uh, you know is trying to you know before it's uh, this uh, can or not cancellation, but the break in the season. Uh, just was you know trying to started getting his feet wet. He had a 25 point game against the Lakers and followed it back against his team, uh, the Warriors, with uh, I think 17 or 18 points. So he was starting to get it rolling before the break. Uh, George Yang, um, who played at Iowa State, I met him here his rookie year in Indianapolis, and then uh, uh, he got waves, but we stayed in contact. We kept working, and now he's a three point specialist for. Uh, the Utah Jazz, and he uh, has uh, done a great job. He, you know, one point in time this year uh, in uh, early January, he was top five in uh, the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. He had a little rough patch, but he's still in the top 15. So uh, those are some of the guys that uh, I'm working with currently. And then uh, Dakota is uh, done with the G League season, so he's back in the gym, and we're getting work in. And, you know, Dakota had a, just a phenomenal year is uh, uh, down in uh, Dallas with the Texas Legends, um, average 18, shot it at almost a 40% clip from three, and really showed uh, things that he hasn't been able to show in the past. Um, so I'm just excited to have uh, you know the guys that I have in Keelan Martin. He's staying ready for uh, with the uh, Timberwolves. Uh, he's on two way and uh, just really showing that he could score at the NBA level as well. So uh, those guys. A player from Stanford who's uh, considered one of the best shooters in the draft. Uh, he's a freshman, Tyrell Terry, and so have him in right now. So, you know, just blessed to be able to have a, a private gym and, you know, doing the social distancing, you know, a lot of disinfectant uh, wipes and sprays and just, you know, everybody has their own ball and, you know, we're, we're just uh, maintaining safety, but uh, also uh, still have unfinished business to take care of. Yeah, it's you know, as much as the world pauses, their lives don't, there's still an NBA draft. It's crazy. A lot yeah. of those players are, you know, going to jump back in. Glenn Robinson, the third's going to play a major part on a playoff push. Yeah. Are you doing something mentally with them to keep them sharp? Uh, th- this has to just be weird for their systems. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing was just getting them back in the gym. Uh, that's what these guys know. Uh, it's their, you know, safety zone, you could say. It's their comfort zone. And so uh, the the mental strain or stress really came from not being able to be in the gym. And so once they were able to get back in the gym and we were able to, you know, follow some protocol and, you know, things started to ease up, it really started to get them to feel back to being closer to normal, you know. And I think, you know, they won't ever feel close to normal uh, again until, you know, maybe a cure or a vaccine. But uh, just having that having that ability to go to your comfort zone and, and something that you're so used to doing is, uh, I think, a big, big help with, uh, you know, the mental shift from being like, man, this is weird. I haven't left my house in, in, in a week other than to get groceries. To, now I'm able to actually get back into a routine. So, uh, you, you know, you know I, I check in with them, you know, um, you know I try and. You know, ask them, you know, if there's anything they need, uh, uh, if there's anything, you know, that, you know, we can do, trying to do FaceTime, but, 
yeah, it's just not, it's not much, you know, it's less yeah. like, hey, what you been doing the last two months? Uh, same thing as you, no. same inside, you know, so <laughs> there's not much uh, conversation, but uh, trying to send them, you know, film, uh, get them to stay sharp, watching things that they could uh, continue to improve on, continue to be, you know, better at. So uh, trying to keep them engaged through the film study as well. I, one thing I really want to highlight, because... Uh, especially the players you had at Purdue, Rafael Davis, Dakota Mathias, and Carson Edwards. All three of those guys took a, a, a pretty significant leap. So sure. Carson had happened pretty early. Uh, Dakota really leaped up his junior year. Same for uh, Rafael Davis. And yep. I, I just want people to fully grasp how much work and time goes into it. So pick one you want, but what was a schedule you had for them in the summer? And then how did you work with them during the season while they're, you know, having team practices, having games, traveling, having school? Sure, yeah. Um, it really, uh, I guess you could say like the Purdue pipeline uh, <laughs> didn't start with any of those players. It actually started with uh, Basil Smotherman. And uh, Basil reached out to me and uh, said, hey, I I've, uh, see you work with some uh, players. Uh, I was working with Trayvon Blewett at the time. I coached him in high school, so that's really why I was working with him. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, you know, I'd like to get in the gym with you. And I said, well, it was over the summer, probably like the first weekend of July, uh, going into his sophomore year. And so we worked out, and, um, you know, he, he you know, talked about he needed to improve his shooting, and, you know, he used to swing the ball really, you know, and shoot off to the right side of his face. And so we started working on that at uh, Park Tudor High School where I was coaching. I was able to use the gym. And uh, we had a really good session. And so, um, you know, I asked him, hey, uh, what about tomorrow? Uh, when we got to go back to Purdue, he said, well, I, uh, yeah, I got to go back tomorrow evening, but uh, we can go tomorrow. And so <laughs> he texted me, uh, the, I remember the Saturday, he texted me on a Sunday morning and said, hey, um, I got to get up to Purdue for some uh, tutoring. Uh, so I won't be able to make it. And, you know, there was a part of me that was trying to, you know, be able to, to continue to, you know, grow my, my name, grow my brand, whatnot. And I knew the best way to do that is obviously working with high level players. Mm -hmm. So I said, Hey, you know, how about, uh, how about I drive up to, uh, West Lafayette and, you know, we could get a workout in. And so he said, Oh yeah, that, that'd be great. Let's do it. So I, uh, drove up there. And on the way up there, he texted me and said, hey, I have a, um, I have a teammate uh, that would want to join the workout. And so I said, uh, is it okay? I'm like, yeah, even better. Yeah. There are more guys. So we'll right. continue. I mean, maybe I could continue to help them even more. So we get a workout in. Was, the teammate was Raphael Davis. So we get a workout in. It went really well. Raphael asked me, hey, man, uh, can, I get your, can I get your number? And I said, for sure. He said, um, my parents are, live down in Indianapolis now. And uh, I come down there, you know, to visit them, and uh, I love to get some more work in. And I said, oh, for sure. So I uh, left, and I told them, hey, man, just like, hey, let's, you know, maybe next weekend we can get something together. And uh, that week, I went and started to study uh, Raphael Davis's film um, on Synergy and, uh, you know, started to look at, like, Basil. And I looked at the box scores, just kind of finding as much intel on you know both of them because like, they're they're essentially you know either a shooting guard or a small forward right mm -hmm. so uh, i 
I uh, noticed uh, I, as a freshman, Basil played just, I think it, was, it wasn't much. It, it might have been less than like 40 or 50 minutes, total minutes the entire season than Raphael did. And I started to see there was a little bit of Raphael kind of, you know, maybe plateauing a little bit after his sophomore year. And here comes Basil Smotherman, you know, ready to take over his spot. So uh, I was I was you know intrigued by that I was like you know you know it's uh, you know it's, it's gonna be interesting to see you know who who kind of separates themselves when I say this is not a knock on Basil Smother it's just uh, it's a honest truth I didn't work out with Basil Smother again uh, Smotherman again for I think at least a full year maybe maybe um, maybe right before he transferred I did work out with him a few times again. That wasn't the same, same for Raphael Davis. He called me the next weekend, said, I'm in town, and let's keep working. And he was coming down, working around his class schedule, so he was coming down to Indy quite regularly. And whenever he was in town, he would just ask me, hey, when I, can I get in? I don't care what time, I'll go. You know, we would work out at 9 o'clock at night sometimes, and you know, as early as 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, and so we uh, we just kept working and kept working. And then when they came to the fall, uh, he was just kind of let me know his schedule and just asking, hey, when can you come up? And, you know, I let him know my schedule and we just continue to stay consistent. But it was maybe like um, once or, you know, uh, twice a week. I was also working with a player from here from Indiana uh, or from Indianapolis that played with the women's team. Uh, and I started working with uh, – Dwayne Carlisle, who was a strength coach for the uh, uh, football team, started working with his son. So I started to get more business up there. So I was able to make a night of it. And so, yeah, I'd go up there two, you know, sometimes uh, three times a week uh, when they weren't like in the fall. And then when they got to games, mm. sometimes it would be uh, a little bit more difficult. But uh, Raphael just kept working and working and working. And uh, I was coaching at Park Tudor. We had Jaron Jackson, uh, Jr., so Painter would come in, and uh, that's when I first met Painter. I told him about, you know, working with Raphael, and uh, he, he was like, hey, listen, I love the guy, but I can't get him to shoot. And uh, <laughs> to a point where, like, I, if he's not going to shoot the ball, I just can't play him. His defense is great, but, like, he has to be a threat on the court, and he's actually improving his shooting. And so – you know, uh, uh, Rayfield's junior year, we, you know, he really started to take a leap uh, forward in uh, around the Big Ten season. And I mean, I had to really have some long talks with him about, hey man, like we're not playing this work in just to say you put got a workout in. We're we're looking for results. So it really started with Rayfield Davis and uh, the work that he put in. And then after uh, Rayfield's junior year, I believe Dakota was a freshman. And so then after his freshman year, Dakota uh, really looked up to Raphael. Um, he, he saw the defensive uh, intensity that Raphael brought and, you know, that he was became a two-way player. So, you know, Dakota asked him about, you know, hey, you know, who you work with. And so Raphael obviously told him me. And so I started working with Dakota uh, that summer. And, uh then just continued to work with him throughout, you know, his career and continuing to, you know, you know, even though he was came in as like a gunslinger and a shooter, you know, there were some adjustments he had to make on his shot as well. And um then Carson reached out to me immediately after his freshman year. And um obviously I knew who he was. I wouldn't say I was following but I mean uh, Purdue like mm-hmm. watching every game like I started to do more. 
but um, I, I definitely knew who he was and the buzz that was, you know, surrounding him. And so we started working uh, after his freshman year. Carson, once again, you know, uh, came in and uh, just, you know, we, we just kept, you know, he kept coming down with two, three days a week. Uh, uh, you know, we drive down to Indy and, you know, Dakota was coming as well. Uh, and that was the summer that Dakota and Keelan Martin uh, going into Dakota's senior year, just really did a great job of pushing each other. And uh, I mean, we we uh, Jimmy Lafakis, who maybe mm-hmm. has been on this podcast, yeah. uh, has probably still probably has it. Just some really good video of yeah, those two does. just going at it. And I, uh, you know, I felt Dakota needed um, to go against uh, a bigger, longer, more athletic guy. And uh, Keelan was going to be going into his senior year, and he was going to be, you know, the man on Butler's team, the guy that needed to score. So I wanted him to go against the guy that was going to defend. So that summer, uh, Dakota and Carson, you know, you know, Dakota going into his senior year, and then um, Carson going into his uh, sophomore year, you know, were were constantly just in the gym. And then uh, just continued to go, you know, throughout the season. And then, uh, the, you know, Dakota started to work with me through uh, pre-draft. And then Carson, same thing. He, when he uh, declared after his sophomore year, uh, he came down. We, we were working, you know, throughout this. And, you know, Painter gave him, you know, the blessing as, as far as Carson to be able to come down and uh, just stay focused on his process of, of seeing what he could do to become better uh, and, you know, be at his best uh, when he was getting evaluated by NBA teams. And so, you know, he made the decision to come back, which you know I thought was a really good decision for him. And then with him, I said, hey, listen, you, this is it. I have a theory. Um, you can declare for the draft once and then declare for it again and not go. If you <laughs> declare it for twice in a row, you got to go. If you're really trying to make the NBA, because now they just like they got so much intel on you. Um, well, hey, if you weren't good the first time, we understand it. But if you don't think you're good enough the second time, maybe you're really not good enough. So uh, I've I've seen some players declare twice and not go, and it just didn't work out for them for you know for their NBA aspirations. I might you know it might eventually, but as far as being drafted, it, it didn't work out. And so I felt he was really, really close. I said, listen, this guy is like, just needs, you know, just needs to get over the hump, maybe, uh, you know, show a few more things uh, on, on, on as far as like being able to run, have the ball in his hands as far as running the point guard position and things. So uh, his going into his junior year, you know, I sat down with him and said, hey, listen, this isn't going to be like, you know, in the past where, you know, I, I, you know, maybe we just call or, you know, we got, I got to look at your schedule. Um, we got to, we got to, uh, figure out a way to get up there, you know, consistently. And, you know, I always put Purdue first, the school, obviously, um, their practices, their, you know, their individuals, their weights, all that stuff came first. And I always, you know, I never wanted any kid to burn out and I always would tell the player, Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with canceling because uh, fatigue is is real, and we don't want you to we don't want you to um, I don't want you to sacrifice your ability to play at your best just to say you got to work out in because it wasn't about working out; it was about 
addressing things that needed to continue to um, uh, uh, be addressed in order to continue to, you know, get better. So, uh, but all three of those guys, you know, they, once they committed to it, uh, they stayed consistent. And, uh, you know, Painter was right when he, when he was on uh, the Dakin show, Dr. Show, he just said, these guys work, man. Those guys got after it. And I mean, I even, I'm not even with me. I mean, uh, after the Florida state game, uh, Carson, he missed those free throws and, uh, he, he got, he got, uh, back and he got back at like one thirty two in the morning and he just stayed, uh, right there in Cardinal and just got on the gun and just shot free throws. And he put his headphones on and shot free throws for like an hour, hour and a half, you know, cause that loss bothered him so much. And he felt like it was on him, uh, for losing that game to Florida state. So, you know, those are some of the things that these guys did. And, um, you know, they, they worked, um, not only in practice, but behind the scenes, they were, they were committed. And, you know, I always wondered, you know, uh, why, you know, these guys were excelling. And I just always wondered why, like, they didn't bring other guys. Raphael, I'll say this, Raphael did going into his senior year, we would go to the rec center and that was a place we could legally work out. At. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'd go to the rec center and uh, that summer going into the um, his senior year, he actually got a group of guys together and uh, we would do like a weekly workout uh, and Rachel organized all that. It's the first time I met Grady and, you know, he's like, Hey Joey, he's a walk on. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but when I saw Grady, shoot the ball and just the way he moved I was like oh brother this guy's gonna have a hard time ever playing and I was very impressed with uh with how he became such a vital uh player for them especially senior year but what did he always do he kept working and so when Painter said like hey these guys work to get better he's, he's spot on from what I what I've seen yeah I know when I was coaching baseball one of uh the guys I coached with his one of his big sayings was always, it's not the amount of repetitions, it's the quality. You can't exactly. just be out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just like with, with Carson, you know, he was, he struggled near the end of the big 10 season, uh, yeah. finding his shot. He, you know, he, he didn't shoot it well against Minnesota in the uh, big 10 uh, tournament. And so during that time, you know, we were just really not, necessarily getting tons of reps up but we were we were shooting less but we were you know like taking shots at the speed that he shot it at as far as um you know he would you know be running out Carson would run from sideline to sideline you know (laughs) but uh we wouldn't we wouldn't get that deep into it but you know hey listen we're going to take the last three steps last four steps of this cut that you're doing to get into a shot and we're going to go full speed. And I was taking a guy up from, you know, Indianapolis if I had to, uh, to be able to contest his shot, you know, and like fly at him. So he would be really working on shooting uh, as as much as we possibly could a real-life game shot. Mm-hmm. And we would only, you know, make five of those. Well, somebody else might be shooting uh, a shot just in the corner, and they're just shooting at a good pace, but they're – and they shoot 50, but they don't have a hand in their face, or they make even 50. They don't have a hand in their face. They're not coming off of the cuts that Carson were coming. And so um, we were doing that 
even as he was still trying to find his way, and it uh, you know it all it all came together obviously in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, I think it worked. Twenty six, forty two, twenty nine, forty two points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, one of the greatest tournament runs of all time. Uh, so, Thank you. Hold on, Casey. Let yeah, me jump in real quick. Let's uh, let's uh, make it easy on Mr. Wallen and pay the bills real quick. Take this to a quick commercial break, and uh, then we'll be right. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You know, I, somebody has to be responsible. It's not me. It's not you. And uh, we'll take it to a quick commercial break, and then be right back with uh, more Casey and Joey. You said you listened to the uh, Painter interview, Joey, and you touched, I mean, pretty much verbatim things he was saying. And I think some people would be surprised to know there are a couple pretty players that were recommended to you. Uh, obviously, one mm-hmm. is in the headline now. I don't want to get into anything personal, but what is some of the bad kind of like skill coach habits going on out there? I Because... You can see a lot of videos on the internet, which you know look cool, but they're not really mm-hmm. helping the player in any way. I uh, uh, was out in Las Vegas for summer league uh, with uh, Yogi Ferrell, and he was my first high major client. And uh, mm-hmm. he just he didn't get drafted, but he's out there for. Um, I know, I know, I know, an IU guy, but uh, <laughs> please forgive me. But uh, he he was out there for. Um, uh, summer league with Brooklyn Nets and um, uh, there was conferences out there and, and I uh, got invited to go to uh, listen to um, some NBA GMs and NBA scouts and just about scouting and what they look for and um, one of them said that he's gone all over the world looking for elite shooters but he hasn't gone all over the world looking for elite athletes. We have enough of those in America, but we, we, we'll go search the globe for an elite shooter. Um, I already, already was doing it with Yogi. I mean, that's where I got my you know, you know, shot doctor, you know, you know, nickname and whatnot. But it just like confirmed what I was doing was the best for the player. And uh, so we see so many times players um, that, have the physical tools, have the, um, you know, uh, maybe even the skill off the bounce, off the dribble, but so many players just can't make it over that hump because of their lack of shooting. And so I I put so much into it because it's the greatest skill that is uh, offensively that, that teams want. They want players to that can shoot threes. Uh, now, will they allow players trying to develop into that? Of course. But the sooner you could become the best shooter that you could become or the best shooter that, you know, that, that is in, uh, you know, whatever, you know, level you're playing, it, it just changes the game for you. I mean, George Nyang is a great example. I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar with him. He's a great college player at Iowa State. But, I mean, he's like Larry Bird slow. He might... <laughs> he might even make Larry Bird look like Michael Jordan, right? The okay. guy is the guy is so slow that uh, he is uh, been nicknamed the minivan in um, <laughs> in uh, Utah. But you know, I met him, and that's the first thing we started working on. I said, "Your shot has to be quicker. You got to get the shot off. And if you could become an elite shooter, you are very skilled. He has a great knowledge of the game. He's very skilled playmaker, passer." You could play multiple positions, but I said if you 
can't shoot the ball at a high level, they will not risk your defense. And so his rookie year, kind of like these other guys, we just, we when literally every night that the Pacers were in town and didn't have a game, we were in the gym working on shooting mechanics. And this following year, he was in the G League before he got his two-way with uh, Utah, and he shot 48%. So, yeah, you know, you, know, you see, it, it just kind of hurts my heart when I see a player that is, is clearly they need to become a better shooter, and I see trainers posting stuff that has really nothing to do with what they need to get better at. Or they are already that, you know, and so they're already um, – they're already a great ball handler or they're already a, a great jumper. And we know they could dunk and, and you're showing them dunking in the video. And not that you guys show their weaknesses all the time, but um, yeah, it, it just is, uh, you know, it's a shame. And, and, and the, these you know, college coaches, they're, only, they're very limited on the hours that they get with these players. Mm-hmm. So these players are um, always looking to get better or they're looking to, you know, try and find an edge and the, way it's being done today is through skill development coaches proof is uh, definitely in the pudding with all the guys you've been dealing with uh one thing i wanted to touch on particularly when i watched eastern play it, when he dribbled i never knew what he was trying to do and i was watching a video of yours the other day it might have been trey lyles i can't remember but you were pretty much walking him through uh, pretty much what you would almost call a dribble package on like nba 2k and you were like mm-hmm. hesitate let them get on you, then explode. How how common is that of a thing for players to work on? And how how much can you teach that? Or is is there something innate about the timing that they just kind of have to have? Yeah. No, no, I think you could teach it. I mean, there's a uh, – on my Instagram page I posted it. It wasn't the same exact situation, but the concept was the same as uh, we were, I was working with Carson on uh, – you know, slowing down and getting a defender on your back coming off a ball screen. And, you know, when I explained the drill to him, I said, hey, this could be off the handoffs as well. And, you know, we, we would do that on a consistent basis. Well, later in the year, up at Wisconsin, he comes off his handoff and he holds the guy on his back and then he skates and he shoots a beautiful bang shot off the glass. And so, you know, those are things that, you know, I, I try and um, get players to – um, learn about is hey this is what you could do when you're in these situations and then you always have film to show and get them to see uh, what we're working on and where it could have been effective in their own game you know uh, and so uh, with, with no gel I like I said I've never worked with them but uh, yeah there's there's aspects of this game I think everybody just thinks oh if he had a shot that he would uh, he would be um, you know he, he would be like maybe even the NBA and, and that could be true, but there was other aspects of his games that needed to continue to improve. He uh, you know, I guess he felt that maybe he had him already or whatnot uh, in order to transfer and hope that maybe another coach could do something that Painter uh, in his mind Painter might not have been able to do, which I'd be shocked. <laughs> uh, Joey, I actually have a quick question. Uh... Coaching philosophy question for you. So, and I'm not specifically about no gel, but just in general. So you've got a college kid that comes in, and he wants to work on that jump shot, and the jump shot's just busted. Like, you look at it, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, man, this, like, there's ten different things wrong with it. Right. Um, are, you, are you somebody that wants to break down that shot and try to adjust it to where – 
you know, uh, or are you somebody that maybe wants to just try to work within the sort of already in, the, the inefficiency, make the inefficiencies better, but sort of understand mm-hmm. that maybe that thing, you know, once you've gotten that far with that shot, it's not going to change 100 percent. You know, that, that's a great balance um, of where, you know, where, where, you know, when, at what point in time do you have to totally like restructure a shot? And so if there a player is just like not shooting the ball well at all, um, if they're not, you know, there's no, there's no consistency, then breaking it down might be the best because, and, and trying to restructure the, the shot because, I mean, heck, if you, let's just say you shoot 20% from three, I don't think restructuring your shot's going to make it any worse. And is it any worse going from 20 to 17, you know, or, you know, or is it any worse going 24 from three to, to 20? So, um, you know, depending on maybe the percentages um, uh, will, will tell me a lot. And once I work with them and get to know them a little more um, and get to be able to, to communicate what I think they need to do and seeing how receptive they are. Um, that's, I mean, that's a big thing about improving the shooting is the player has to be receptive. Some players aren't receptive to it. They oh, I've shot like this my entire life. I just need to get more reps up. No, no, your shot's broke. You need to actually adjust <laughs> it or change it. But um, no, man, I, feel, I, I feel like I, I just need more reps. So there's a lot that goes into that balance. Uh, do we just like, you know, slightly, you know, change, change those things. Like, um, uh, like with Dakota, he used to swing that ball pretty far behind his head, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was like the ball would come back to like the top of his, his crown. And now he's like usually just right around his forehead, you know, and getting more arc on the shot. Carson would, you know, sling it back a little bit. I was always on Carson really more about like getting more arc on his shot and being able to shoot on the way up and not, you know, holding it. And then like Raphael, he would uh he would like he was was sling it kind of forward so we really talked about like getting a higher follow through so that uh, he can get more kind of shot as well so those were just like slight adjustments but other players yeah you might have to say hey listen let's start from square one what the the thing about with shooting is you you got to look at it as long term it can't just be like hey you know what in a month we should be good or then or uh, a whole off season, we should be good. Because uh, I've worked with players that their shot looked really good in the off season, and we got it, we, we reconstructed it, and it looked really good. But then there's this mental component to it. Like, are you gonna? Do you trust it in the game? You know, and uh, do you trust it in front of your coaches that might be determining your playing time? You know, it's it's easy to trust in front of me when I'm encouraging you and. And, and trying to help you, do you trust it when you're doing a shooting drill and the coach is going to, you know, mark it down as, hey, this is, you know, did you know a good a good score is 25 out of 30? Do you trust it then? So, yeah, Drew, that's a that's a great question. It just really goes uh, for you know each player and, um, and and their needs. But I'm, I'm one if it's broke and it's been broke, there's no there's no reason why not trying to fix it because it really can't get any worse. No, I hear that. That uh, sounds like my golf shot. Um, <laughs> probably needs to be broken down to like where I pick the ball, the the club out of the bag. Probably just start there and work our way up. But have you ever Stay seen? Here, man. <laughs> have you ever seen a shot that you just look at and say, "Man, this shouldn't go in," and it does just consistently? I'm thinking maybe. Right I don't know. I remember watching. 
Klein or Sean Marion when from the Suns when he was shooting the Yeah, the... no. No. Uh Klein Klein is probably honestly I uh, uh I've made this comment several times to other people. Klein's probably the best shooter that I've ever seen that literally does tons of things wrong that you shouldn't <laughs> be doing as a shooter. I mean, he doesn't even fully extend his follow through. He shoots a knuckleball. He almost every time is fading backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible how good of a shooter he was. His mechanics were just not where you would think that he would be as good as he is. And he just had a. You know, some guys just are born with this special, <laughs> special touch and uh, just a feel, and um, they they just. They're, grown up you know with that feel and, and they've been able to master it but like i say with players like hey listen you know you get you get a hundred people that have the same mechanics as um as a as a ryan klein and then you get a hundred and develop a hundred players that have the, the mechanics of dakota matthias i'm taking my chances out of those hundred players that are like dakota matthias there's gonna be a lot more great shooters than like the mechanics that Ryan Klein had, you know, because Ryan Klein's just had this special gift, this special feel uh, for it. It was, it was amazing to watch. Drew, I think you have, what, one more question for, for yeah. uh, Joey here? Yeah, just one more, Joey, since uh, we're all sort of locked down right now, and I think a lot of us have, the, uh, I know I have especially, become driveway coaches. Um, while we're all sort of here, I know all the ladies and uh, Gentlemen out there also sweating out in the driveway with their kids, trying to uh, give them some good quality uh, time, maybe improve their game a little bit. Um, if we had one thing we could do to not totally bust up their shot before they go back to their actual coaches, do you have just one piece? I know you don't want to give it away for free because, uh, you know, oh, but maybe no. just one piece <laughs> of uh, solid advice for us uh, driveway heroes out there trying to get our six-year-olds to uh, follow through. Uh, uh, anything in particular, just one real good nugget here from uh, an expert. Yeah, um, I would say uh, shoot on the dominant hand side of your, your face. So if you're right-handed, you would be shooting like right around the right you know, eye, and that's usually your dominant eye. Uh, so a lot of kids or even, you know, driveway, you know, workouts. You know, kids at that age, they're shooting it, in, you know, in the middle of their body. A lot of them maybe be shooting on the left side of their body. But shooting on the dominant side or dominant hand side, so if your left hand would be your left side, obviously, right side. Uh, right-handed on uh, just right-handed on your right side. And that helps uh, a lot with just an easy way of aligning your shot up uh, with the rim. And then... And then uh, just getting arc on it. I'm a big proponent of getting great arc on your shot. And then I would say um, holding your follow through and finishing with your follow through in the center of the rim. And kind of going back to Basil Smotherman, he would swing the ball all the way to his like, right side of his body. And a lot of times follow through would uh, just carry off to the left. And so I never was able to really get him fully on the left side. But, uh, you know, he got more towards like the middle. But whenever he finished his fall through the center of the rim, the ball went straight most of the time. And so uh, shooting it straight is, is a, obviously a big part of uh, shooting any object. Finishing your fall through the center of the rim, those are some of the uh, shooting on the dominant side, pushing up, getting a lot of arc, and then trying to have your elbow. The final thing with your fall through is trying to have your elbow level with your eyebrow. And if you push up 
with your elbow, you're going to most likely finish with a high follow-through, which helps increase the odds. Sounds good, Joey. When Lily gets that first WNBA contract, maybe we'll give you a <laughs> kickback. Oh, for sure. And take it. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, one of Lily's best friends, uh, dad, played for Kansas State, basketball for Kansas State. He was a power forward. And that's, uh, you know, yeah. I told him that, like, we're going to work this out and Lily's going to be a shooter and we're just going to run some pick and pop and pick and roll because, you know, Kenya's going to be a tall, tall girl. So, so that's what yeah. we're working on, right? We're working on right now. We've got, we've got a, a, a pack. But Lily never fails to mention, because I'm, you know, like 6'3", every time she goes over to Kenya's house, she says, Daddy, yeah. uh, Kenya's daddy is a lot taller than you. <laughs> I'm not used That's weird. I don't see that very often. I'm like, yeah, no, Justin's huge. He's like 6'8", like 270, and like big. No, that's great. No, that, that could be a, a Poe and Tandem right there. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully she doesn't have her mother's athleticism. Hopefully she got mine and hurt my, her mother's joints. That's the goal. There you go. My, my wife didn't appreciate that comment. She just stuck her head in the door. Oops. <laughs> Might be a, uh, asleep on the couch tonight, tonight, huh? Uh, you know, no, no, she's used to me being a punk. If she didn't realize I was a punk before she married me, she really messed up. Yeah, right. That's always good to uh, be able to know it before uh, you make that commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I always say to my wife. You know, she's just a genius, brilliant woman. She's a terrible taste in men, but I do appreciate that about her. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, Joe, I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Um, not All that we right. could probably, we just need to save you for another episode because, you know, we got who knows how much time to kill. And we're all, like we said in the yeah. last podcast, we're all super bored. If uh, you just uh, had anything you want to sort of say or maybe uh, sort of uh, pimp out here, your website or Instagram yeah, or anything yeah. else you want to bring up. Yeah. I, you know, I was uh, talking to Casey, you know, I would say this one more thing about Painter is that, you know, he truly cares about those guys and I have a, you know, high, high respect for him. I mean, uh, even, even his staff members, uh, Carson is junior year, uh, Greg Gary, we probably talk once a week, uh, just about Carson, about, you know, uh, things that, uh, you know, you know, you know, he's doing and, you know, how could, we make him better. And, you know, uh, I mean, Gary would ask me that, you know, uh, uh, how can we make him better? Um, you know, is there anything that you see that we, that are, you know, that you might uh, be able to tell us or anything. So, you know, they just really put a, you know, a care into those guys and, uh, even, even, uh, no gel. And I mean, uh, I'm, I'm doing, you know, fine. It's not all you know, it should have came to me, but you know, the fact to just show that painter and his staff cares, like, uh, Brandon Brantley, he, he reached out to me after Nogel's, uh freshman year and was like, hey, we got a kid on this team that, you know, could improve his shooting. And, um, you know, we've heard great things about you and we want, you know, we want to try and set it up. He said he'll, you know, he'll talk to his mom. And, you know, I don't know what happened after that, you know. And then Brandon saw me, uh, it was Carson's junior year, and he saw me, uh, we were, I was, he won the, I think we were on, Senior night wasn't wasn't senior uh, night with uh, Carson Jr. It was uh, Ohio State, right? Was it? Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. And uh, so I, I saw him after the game, 
I, I saw him after the game, and you know, he mentioned again, he's like, "Hey, man, we gotta get no gel with you after the season." And so, you know, um, those guys tried. You know, those guys are, you know, are really trying to invest because, like I said, they only have a limited amount of time, and uh, you know, they only get eight weeks in the summer, and there's more than eight weeks in the off season. So, you know, those guys, uh, you know, what Painter was talking about, you know, as far as the work ethic and, and the things that he uh, preaches. And, and he tells those guys that, you know, he, he's up front uh, with that. And uh, it was funny because one of my uh, friends, he he, uh, he he was like a mentor to uh, Jay Simpson. And so he was up at practice one day this year. And he, you know, he called me and said, hey, uh, uh, it was in the preseason. He said, hey, you know, Painter said, you know, the guy's like, hey, a lot of you guys want to, you know, fill Carson Edwards' role. But, uh, you know, like, you guys want to work like Carson Edwards. And so when Painter, you know, mentioned that he said that to those guys, it just made me think of him. So, you know, I think Painter does have a good, uh, a good uh, uh, feel for that program. He knows what he wants uh, in a player. Um, you know, he, uh, he told me when he was down recruiting Jaron Jackson, that he was not going to ever, you know, fall for the, I just want to please the fan base and try and get five stars and McDonald's all Americans. I'm going to, go get a Purdue guy. And, uh, you know, once he made that commitment, uh, I feel like he, you know, really, you know, found some gems and has really had some great success uh, by, you know, coaching guys that he want to coach. And he told me, he said, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired with guys I want to coach. I'm not going to get fired with assholes, essentially. And so, um, you know, those are, those are just things that, you know, I respect about Painter and uh, his staff, and, and they generally care. And I, I know they care about Nogel. Um, I know that they, uh, you know, want to do whatever they could to help him. But unfortunately, uh, Nogel's uh, in this camp, you know, must have felt uh, different. And, you know, I'm sure Painter would love to see him do well, you know. And, uh, you know, I have nothing but uh, respect for Painter and, you know, best wishes to Nogel. And hopefully, you know, he – he finds what he's looking for, but it is, it is hard. It, it is hard uh, in the NBA. And I think Carson could tell you that uh, I was with him in December in Boston, spent about five, six days with him. And, you know, I remember Brad Stevens, uh, I uh, knew him because my first year living in Indianapolis, I could go and uh, watch his practices and, and said, Joey, listen, we love Carson. But he, he's playing behind uh, all-NBA point guard and two potential or future all-NBA wing players. So, you know, it's going to be an adjustment for him. It's hard. You know, he's like, it's going to be hard, but we really like him and we really believe that he could play a vital role for us, you know, down the road. And so, like, I just don't think a lot of guys understand how hard it is to, to make the NBA. I don't think a lot of guys understand how good – those players that you only see get six or seven shots in the NBA, how good they really are, but they are just playing a role, you know? And yeah. so, uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure painters told these guys, it's like, like 90% of the NBA is just role players, you know? And then you got 10% of them that are stars. So, you know, I, I think painters spoke from the heart on, on, uh, 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 on the uh, docket show and, um, you know, you never could fault the guy for giving the truth. And uh, even working with uh, Carson through the draft, two, you know, two draft processes, Painter never tried to sway him one way or the other. Uh, he just said, hey, these are the facts. This is what teams are telling me. 
And this is what I'm going to tell you what they're telling me, because that's my obligation to you. You have to process, process that information and then make a decision, you know, and I respect that because not all coaches would do that, you know? So, yeah, so that, that's my little closing, I guess, statement. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Joey Burton. Um, I'm on Instagram at Coach Joey Burton. And uh, feel free to give me a follow. I, you know, post uh, mostly basketball stuff, basketball content, workouts, uh, also sometimes uh, individual player uh, teaching edits of, of different players uh, in the NBA and also uh, maybe you could expand your basketball knowledge if you uh, hit the follow button so uh, it was a pleasure guys I, I really uh, enjoyed uh, hopping on the podcast and just being able to talk skill development with you guys. Uh, we really appreciate it Joey you are absolutely one of the best in the game. Hopefully we get some more Boilermakers to you soon. Definitely so, definitely so. We do, I, as, as Casey said, we really do appreciate you coming on. And, you know, we're just a couple of amateurs. It's always good to hear somebody actually knows what he's talking about. I guess with that, um, we will uh, go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up. Casey, you have any final words? Nope. All right. Be safe. All right. That's where I am, too. Y'all be safe. Uh, you know, stay well. And uh, we'll hear for, uh, talk to you next week.